This episode is brought to you by 17 Hats, your all-in-one business management platform to save you from time-sucking tasks. Put hours back in your day with easy-to-use features like online scheduling, invoices, contracts, questionnaires, and much more. Learn more at 17hats.com. You are listening to the Photobomb Podcast with the world's greatest photographers, Boo Ray and Gary. Welcome to the Photobomb Podcast. My name is Boo Ray Perry, and joining me as always is Gary Hughes. Hey, hey, everything's fine over here at the Hughes household. Just fine. It's all, it's all fine. It's, it's going fine. Everything's, everything's good. How, how are you? Spoken like someone who just killed someone. Yes. <laughs> it sounds like I've got bodies under the floorboards, yes. doesn't it? Yeah. Everything's fine. There's, I just plants in the basement. Situation. Nothing normal. at all illegal about the plants I'm growing in the basement, officer. How are you? How are you? Yeah. Um, it's cold today. Is it cold? It's cold. Don't you think it's cold, officer? No. You notice? <laughs> is it, why is it hot? Is it hot I in here? I feel like you're changing the subject, is sir. This, is, it, is it hot? Let's talk hot. about the plants in your basement <laughs> and the so amazing hot. amount of electricity that your home seems to be using. Uh, my wife takes long baths. She takes very long baths. It's not my fault. What's happening at the uh, Hughes household that requires this demeanor? So I don't know. We've talked in previous episodes about my big brown deck. Right. We've talked about the big brown deck, right? Yes. Which is not nearly as big, perhaps brown, but as big as I think you would make it seem. I think if someone came to your house to see the big, the big deck, they'd be like, oh, that's the deck. It's well, you know, it's first of all, it's not really elevated, is it? Like if I fell off the back off the deck, how bad would I hurt myself? Well, here's the thing. You're a man in your 50s and I don't have. If a normal person (laughs) was to step off your deck into the great unknown, how far (laughs) would they fall? About three inches. Okay. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> really more of a... It may not be as tall as you would think when you say big deck, right. but it is very, very wide. Yeah. It's a very wide deck. It's a good, yes. good width. Yes. It's not as tall. I'm the same but... way. If you say big deck to me, not as tall as you would expect it to be, but perhaps wide. Right. right. So uh, we spend a lot of time, my wife and I, on, on the deck. My, my wife likes to sit on the deck, you know, and we will have long, good conversations. She prefers the wider deck to the taller deck? I've never really asked her how okay. she feels about it, to be fair. You don't fair. want to, trust me. No. <laughs> so she likes to spend a lot of time on the deck, and so I joined her there. Well, obviously. Yeah, yeah, clearly, because you know, it's my deck. It's my deck. Four children. So I'm sitting on the deck. I'm out okay. on the deck. We, spend, we like to have like a beer on the deck at the end of the day or coffee on the deck in the morning. And it's, it's sort of like our, instead of, we've gone from sitting on the couch and binge watching TV to sitting on the deck and just actually talking to each other. It's, it's pretty good for the marriage, you know, to talk to your wife, I guess. I'm against it, but okay. Yeah, <laughs> she, so is she. <laughs> anyway, so we're on the deck. And my wife had gone inside and I'm sitting there on the deck. And my three-year-old, Charlie, she comes over. And she is just the cutest. She's got this round cherub face and this blonde hair that like swoops into her eye and these big, big round blue eyes. And she's always smiling, always laughing. And she comes over with a stick, like a little, a twig, just probably about, yeah, I guess about five inches long. And she looks at me and she's smiling and she goes, Dada, I break your heart like this. And she snaps the twig in half. <laughs> <laughs> this is a little prescient. This is, you know, she, uh, yeah. she already knows. She already knows what's coming in the future. Dad, I'm going to be a huge disappointment to you in so many ways. <laughs> <laughs> 
or, or Dada, um, I'm going to one day meet a man who you don't approve of, and I'm going to love him more than I love you. Yeah. Yes. And it's going to break your heart. Dada. Like This is Wolf. He plays in a metal band. <laughs> Dad, this is Doug. Yeah. He doesn't have a job. Doesn't have yeah, a job. it's awesome. But he has dreams, Dad. He has so many dreams. The thing is that I'm I'm pretty certain that to one or more of my of of, of my girlfriends over the years, I think w- at least one or more of their dads had to take a good look at me at the stage of life I was in and go, "All right, just don't say anything. It's uh, it's yeah. probably not going to work out." And yeah. uh, if if I you know, so I you know I've never really been had an antagonistic relationship with a girl's dad before. It's always been pretty good, but most of the girls I dated had to like I dated a girl in high school. And she was going places. She's an attorney now. She doesn't live that far from me. I haven't seen her a long time, but she's an attorney here in town. And and her dad was a dermatologist. And they lived in this massive house in this expensive part of this town where I grew up. And and I know that I was the kid from the other side of the tracks. Legitimately, this this poor kid with nothing going for him. And I, and we dated for like a year, and we spent a lot of time with her parents at her house. I had, I knew, I had to know that her mom and dad, every time she brought me, brought me home, I know they had to be just, just thinking it, it's, it's, it's not going to work out. When is, she, when, is she, when is she going to grow out of this? Yeah, she'll get. She, she's just getting out of her system. <laughs> like right. I was the kid where they're like, it's she's just be, she's just rebelling. Let's just not say anything. Like when your kid says a swear word and you don't want to make a big deal out of it because then they'll know that right. that's how that they're getting to you. You know. So I was definitely that at some point. But now I'm just living the dream with a with a medium sized brown deck. You know, and uh, and my daughters are gonna break my heart, aren't they? They are. Speaking of decks. You told yes. me the other day that you were using a loop deck. Uh, I'm using a, a stream deck. A stream. I wanted to ask you about that. Is, is okay. that because you said this thing's really cool. So I'll use it for streaming. This isn't for No, 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 no. Well, the stream deck. The stream deck is a little device that uh, is made by a company called Elgato, I think. And they, um, they make a few different ones. But essentially all it is, it's a, it's a little device that has a bunch of buttons that are all little mini L, LCD screens. And you can basically program the buttons to do literally anything that you want. As simple as open this application, keyboard shortcuts, and then if you are so inclined and able to do so, you can even write code for it to make it do really complicated things. But essentially, I'll show it to you. It's, I'll try to show it to you. Here it is. It's just like this. That's all it is. All right. Little, just a little, little rectangular thing. It's got uh, uh, three rows of buttons, five buttons each. 15 yeah so this is the regular stream deck it's got 15 buttons they make one that's got 32 so what are you what are you using it for aha this is where we get to it so if you are um into live streaming you can program the buttons to do pretty much anything that you can think of and you get to customize the graphics for each button so you can make the buttons look like anything you want because they're all just lcd screen then you can make you can make the screens the buttons shift depending on what application is open. So like if you open up Photoshop, it'll automatically switch to the key set that you've designed for Photoshop with all of your actions, keyboard shortcuts, et cetera, et cetera. Zoom in, zoom out, view this keyboard shortcut, run this line of code, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. But what I've done is, for example, for Photoshop, is I've programmed the buttons into anything I do in Photoshop that takes more than one click, I've programmed into the buttons. So flattening a file, or um, you know, even creating a new layer, duplicating a layer, running certain actions, exporting 
uh, all you know, all kinds of different stuff. And so basically, I can just I I just push one button, and it just saves you a, a half a second, two seconds, a thousand times a day. And it it is absolutely brilliant. And I even use it in Capture One now. And I got this idea from Dave Kalmbach from the Headshot Method. Um, I use this when I am shooting volume headshots. And so basically in Capture One, I have it programmed to export with particular presets to mark as green, to mark as five stars. And so basically it's just a, like having a 10 key, like you, you know, like you do, if you use the 10 key on your keyboard to do math and, you know, whatever, to do calculating, it's a 10 key that you can basically on your left hand side, wherever you want to put it, make it do anything you want. And so it just speeds up the workflow a ton. And the more you get into it, I swear to God with this Stream Deck, it's such a simply put together such a simple concept but what people do with it is absolutely mind-blowing if you drop down the youtube hole of what people are doing with their stream deck you will just lose a week of your life how creatively people are using it but i highly recommend it it's incredibly portable they make um it's it's infinitely customizable and you can do anything with it that you can think of as long as you can program that thing to work at the push of a button it's un it's unbelievably useful way more than i thought it was and they're not particularly expensive i think this one was maybe 80 bucks 90 bucks you can program it to replicate any series of keyboard clicks but not mouse clicks yes uh mouse click i don't know that's the thing i don't i'm not smart enough to use it to its full potential right. you know like photoshop will do mouse clicks you know i clicked here and then i clicked here but but i don't i wouldn't think that this would i think it would just it would have to be short it'd be shortcut keys at the, at a very basic level you can program pr keyboard shortcuts into it and then you can give them graphical buttons so that like if you want right. your frequency separation action to look like Marge Simpson, you can make that happen. It's not a, for whatever reason you can make that happen. But it's I, I cannot tell you how useful this 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 thing is and how much time it saves once you get used to using it. Uh, but it is very time consuming to set it up. But you can also download a whole bunch of apps, plugins, presets like there's a whole Zoom preset. So for if you use Zoom, you can make it mute your mic, unmute your mic. You can make it end the call, start a new call, and just got a whole already preset, and you just sort of drag them in and make it work. You can even make buttons that open up menus to other buttons. It's, it's, it's such a simple concept that people have just gone absolutely nuts with it, and uh, highly recommend it. Uh, I like it a lot. I like mine quite a bit. All right. Uh, the other thing that you mentioned uh, briefly, uh, you wanted me to ask you about the LPI Series Super Shooter. Oh, the LPI Series Super Shooter. This is important. Okay, so we were having dinner with another family, and it, it, they have a very similar story to us. They're a couple who started a photography business together. And when they started having kids, the wife took a step back from the business to raise the kids. And that's what Julie and I have done. Julie, although she still is my partner in the business and does the books and stuff, we meet this family that we're having. They come over to the house, we're having dinner. And <laughs> I'm relating really, really well to the, the husband. He and I become very good friends. And then Julie hasn't really spent a lot of time with his wife, but they're realizing that they have this very similar life trajectory. They're of similar age. They have a similar number of children and they've done similar things with their lives, you know, and they're having this conversation while my buddy and I were just geeking out about cameras and, oh, have you seen that this, and that this does this, and this camera, and this is coming out. They're looking at us just like, we're geeking out like boys and their toys or whatever. And Julie says, I'm not even sure how many cameras we have. And then, <laughs> and then the, the, the wife of the other, the other couple says, yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't really, I don't really take many pictures anymore. So he's like, he talks about cameras all the time. I don't know what any of them are. I don't even know what the best camera out right now or what brand we use. And Julie go, and I said to Julie, I said, can you, can you name one camera? Name, what's the name of one camera that we have? She goes, 
uh an r5 i go yes she goes r6 i go we don't have one of those she goes r8 i'm like doesn't exist yet and, <laughs> and she goes she goes i don't know the the lpis super shooter i don't know i don't know i don't know anything about cameras <laughs> the lpi series super shooter the lpi series super shooter that was like, like that. could be a camera could be something that sprays water on you yeah, it could be a water gun, like the yeah. super soakers that were a big deal back in the day. Yeah, those were uh, those still exist, by the way. Super soakers. I saw one at a, a oh, went to a church rummage sale over the weekend. Okay, our neighbor who helps who who helps us out a lot with the kids. She's got three kids that are older than ours, and their their family's just an incredible blessing to ours. She's the director of a preschool in our town. And they were having a big rummage sale. Basically, everybody in the church brings the crap they don't want. They pile it on tables, and the money goes to the church preschool or whatever, raises money for the school. So I take two of my kids with me, and we're, we're walking around. And um, Julie said, look, our coffee maker's on the fritz. We need a coffee maker. And your hair dryer exploded. Uh, <laughs> so you need to look for a hair dryer and look for a coffee maker. So I'm looking for a hair dryer. I'm looking for a coffee maker. Have you ever been to a rummage sale? Sure. Well, it's like a garage sale. Have you ever been to an indoor one? Like it, everything's in a room with central um, air. Yeah, well, kind of. So I mean, I've been to the photography ones where we have all okay. everyone brings all their photography. No, here. but this is clothes, shoes, okay, lamps, all, all kinds of just random stuff from people's houses. Can you tell me what do you think it would smell like? <laughs> it would smell it would smell like if you just like you stuck your nose in the deep corner of my walk-in closet in the carpet <laughs> and took a big whiff. <laughs> Like old socks and mildew yep. and just mm -hmm. horrible. The combined detritus of, of of a thousand households all piled into one room. Yeah, it's uh, it was great. Detritus, by the way, my favorite character in Romeo and Juliet. That's detritus. Well, he was the one with the sword, right? Yeah. Well, I got a coffee maker, and I got a hair dryer, and then I saw this. <laughs> How much did you save? By buying this disgusting hairdryer that had been used in someone else's disgusting bathroom for years, <laughs> instead of just going and buying a new hairdryer. Gary, do you need to borrow some money? Are you no. okay? Because I'm no. not buying a used hairdryer. Did you get a used tongue depressor while you were there? No. <laughs> well, I mean, come on. I There's did some look at some I'm not boxer buying shorts. used. Hairdryer is one of them. Oh, first of all, I, I'm very sketchy about other people's stuff, but I also think it's very important to buy, you know, buy re-upcycled stuff as much yes. as you can. It's actually, it's good for the environment. It, you know, saves money. There's a, there's a, there are a dozen reasons why. And so I have no problem with buying stuff used, but hair dryers would be something that could be a little gross, right? Because I, I know what my hair dryer looked like when it died. I buy only her organic hair dryers as a result. So I, I, I told this not to harm the environment. I, too, am very thoughtful. An organic hair dryer? What is an organic hair dryer made out of? Wood powered by kerosene. <laughs> ah, <laughs> that doesn't sound organic. Yeah, it works, uh, work, works okay, but heavy, so heavy. Yeah. <laughs> your organic hair dryer is sticking your head out the window yes. of your car. <laughs> yeah, that's my organic hair dryer. It's the fireplace. So, th yeah, th <laughs> this was a, a really nice professional level hair dryer and i have to say it was in pristine condition i checked it because you know how much hair and crap accumulated in it. it literally looked like it had just come out of the box so right. i or else i wouldn't have gotten it but over on another table there is a big case like a canvas case that that kind of looked like this might be some medical equipment or something <laughs> all right so, so i went over and i and i and i opened it up and inside is a practically brand new with the documentation 
never seems to have been used CPAP machine. Okay. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. And I bought it. <laughs> okay. Is it now? Is this the thing you sleep with? Yes. Right. Yes. The, the, you put it over your face, and it's to keep because you you're, you're a person who wakes up in the middle of the night because you're choking or your or you or your breathing is off or something. Yeah, it's for sleep apnea. Right. For sleep. That's right. Sleep apnea. So you bought this. And do you have sleep apnea? No, I do not. So, so you bought it. Is this a prop now? No. Although, you know, maybe for a, like an artistic Some image. steampunk of, thing you want to create? Yeah, I don't know. No, it definitely wouldn't fall in the category of steampunk. But yeah, I, so I, I am now the proud owner of a gently used CPAP machine, okay. just in case. <laughs> just in case someday you need it. Normally, you have to have a prescription to get these things. They're at, you have to go do a sleep study, and it's like a whole process. And they're, and they're actually very expensive machines. All right. And and I don't know what the the sort of like what was in my head like the whole American pickers like <laughs> seize the opportunity. I remember that episode where they were buying the antique CPAP machine. Yes, yeah, <laughs> which was just sticking your head out the window of your yeah. car. It's the same thing. And I don't know what came over to me, but I'm like, I gotta have this CPAP machine. I can't believe nobody's nobody's bought this. Nobody's bought this CPAP All machine right. yet. <laughs> Unbelievable that no one bought this. I, it's it's it just blows my mind, considering it's potentially dangerous if you're not using it under the supervision of a doctor. But you know, whatever. Like somebody out there needs a CPAP machine, and I've got one. So send yeah, send an email to questions at photobombpodcast.com if you're looking for a gently used. CPAP machine, and then we'll make that happen. Comedian uh, Louis Anderson used to talk about his mother, who he then developed a character. He was on the uh, was it Baskets? Was that the name of the show? Baskets. Which one? Uh, there was a show. Uh, Zach Zach Galifianakis, whatever he did it, and it was his show. He was the star. He was a guy who wanted to be a rodeo clown. He was living at home with his mother, and Louis Anderson played his mother in this film. Oh. Louis got an Emmy Award for it. Is that right? And he based the character on his actual mother, and he used to talk in his comedy routine about his mother going to garage sales and how she would buy anything at a garage sale. And she was like, I, I bought, she bought a toaster and it was uh, 25 cents. And I'm like, mom, the toaster doesn't work. Yeah, but the cord's got to be worth 25 cents. Yeah, but <laughs> what are you going to do with the cord, mom? Look, look, maybe somebody just needs a hose for a CPAP yeah, machine. Yeah, just, you know, she's, you know? You know, I just thought, yeah, I know that person. The person who's just like, I have to buy it because it's a bargain, even though I have no use for it whatsoever. Right. The, the, it's a good value. Yeah, but it's only good value if you're going to use it. Otherwise, right. it's just junk. Well, you know, sometimes I wish I was one of those people who knew what things were, like antique roadshow type knowledge, because right. I feel like you could go into a place like that and you'd find like an old Vermeer or like a right. or, or like or like a turn of the century, you know, whatever clock or something. You know, like you could just find it be like that's worth fifty grand. Like I that that has to be a knowledge that's worth acquiring, right? So. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but certainly on American Pickers, those guys, uh, Frank and what's-his-face, they would have Mike. Frank and Mike. Well, not anymore. Yeah? Mike's gone. Oh, he's dead? No, he left the show, and there has been quite a bit of animosity. Comes up in my oh, feed yeah, every yeah, yeah. There's quite a bit of animosity between the American Pickers. So maybe maybe we'll do the Canadian Pickers, because they're yeah. probably much more polite than the American Pickers. <laughs> we'll go. But I'm sure none of them would have walked twice past the CPAP machine. There's yeah. no way they would have walked past it twice. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. All right, listen, we have to, uh, we have to talk about the, the story that broke last week about the photographer getting pushed at the football game. You posted yeah. this into the Bombardier's Lounge. If you're not in the Bombardier's Lounge, by the way, so many people listen to this podcast who are not members of the Bombardier's Lounge. You need to go to the Bombardier's Lounge on Facebook. It's Bombardier's Lounge, easy to find. 
and uh, join that group because we post a lot of stories there that we talk about on the show. And that way, it's much easier for you to find the pictures that you want to find and stuff like that. So the story is that, was it Dante? Who was it? Dante Smith? Well, the reason we're not doing this in photography news is because this has gotten so big. This was right. on this was on ESPN. You right. know, I went to, I went to the barbershop last week. And the, and the guys, they had it. The story was on TV, and they were debating it. So this has transcended photography news into just this is in pop culture now. Um, and it's Devontae Adams is the name of the football player. Yeah. Right. And he pushed a photographer as he was walking into the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And now the photographer is suing, saying bodily injury, possible concussion, that he's had headaches, etc. So he's suing the guy. So now the discussion, what seems to be the main focus of the discussions that you have heard what is it people want to really discuss do they want to talk about is the lawsuit frivolous do they want to talk about did he do it on purpose do they want to talk about our photographers uh nuisances i mean what's the main thing you you seem to be hearing about yeah i think it's it's one of these things when something photography centric makes it into the news people don't really understand it for example when remember when snoop dogg weighed in on copyright law and he goes i don't understand how you could have a picture of me it's my image and how you own it but it's a picture of me right and so that's sort of like folksy knowledge and people were like yeah snoop dogg's right you can't own a picture of me and let me tell you something federal law says you're wrong about about that but right. th- this is one of those things where people don't necessarily understand the working conditions of a photographer so they might see it differently you know the scuttlebutt seemed to be more about the lawsuit and that he's going to have to pay out people are more concerned about the money you know and that it's almost genuinely sort of accepted across the board that when something like this happens with somebody who's rich like an nfl player that they're going to get sued. And so that seems to be more the conversation. And I didn't hear many people talking about right or wrong, but I did see a video where the, and, and I don't know if he was doing photography or something, had some kind of gear on him, but I watched this actually from a couple of different angles. And one of the angles I saw was that this guy was trying to shoot the gap. It was the team walking single file into the tunnel after losing the game. And this guy tries to shoot the gap between two players, and he's not looking where he's going. His head's down, and he ran right out in front of him, of Devontae Adams. Right. And Devontae Adams stopped him and shoved him. And right. it didn't even look like an angry thing to me, because hear me out on this. This guy, Devontae Adams, probably been playing ball since he was, I don't know, six years old. Since he could throw a football, since he could, since he could walk, he's probably been playing sports, been playing football. And... And one of the things that you drill a thousand times over when you're padded up and playing football is somebody runs into you and your hands are up to block and you shove. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. just, you know, I find it completely believable that, <laughs> that after losing a game, walking off the field and comes right out of your blind side and somebody's right in front of you. I almost don't necessarily blame Devonte Adams. If you look at it, look for the alternate angles instead of just the Devonte Adams shoves the guy. This guy was this photographer, this person is part of the crew was did something stupid and put himself in a dangerous spot. And yes, it was probably cuz the guy was, you know, half the size of Devonte Adams and and I'm not saying that he wasn't injured. But I'm saying that, like, if that had been one of my kids who ran out in front of an adult and got knocked down, I'd be like, yeah, you got knocked down because you were a dumbass. Okay. Okay. Let me just take the other side. Oh, oh, I'm shocked that you're going to do that. If somebody runs out in front of me and I'm going to run into them, my hands come up, but they come up to cushion my force of body hitting their body. They do not 
push. They just come up and they go, it's cushion. You, you, your hands come back towards you to cushion the blow. But you're not an NFL player. You're a genteel man. No, I'm not an NFL player who is walking off the field surrounded by people and cameramans, cameramen and security and everything else, which is, by the way, why I make so much money is because of all these cameramen and, and all these. This is why I make millions of dollars is because of the media. So, yeah, no, I got no, no pay up, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm upset. I lost, I lost the game. I'm upset. Hey, hey, I don't care. You know, I know you're upset, Mr. Millionaire, but this guy who's making $30,000 a year as a stringer doesn't get pushed down in the tunnel. Right. Yeah. Well, hear me out. Like I'm saying I see why it happened. I can watch it unfold. But then by his own admission on his Twitter, which, by the way, some lawyer just committed suicide over this. (laughs) Devontae Adams' lawyer just climbed up to the top of a building and jumped off because Devontae Adams immediately posted that he's sorry and that it was his fault and that he was like all don't say anything no. like let the let the lawyers do the stuff but like he's definitely gonna have to pay he probably should pay i'm just saying i can absolutely see why it happened this guy was did something real stupid to put himself in the, like the thing is with my kids right now my my oldest daughter's big thing is everything's an accident so one of her sisters will get hurt or she'll get hurt or something will get broken and she'll go daddy it was an accident daddy was an accident i said ellie it's not an accident you created all of the circumstances for this bad thing to happen i said you decided to do this and then you decided to do this which led to this and then the bad thing happened if you hadn't have done this 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 these five six things on the way to it when you can't create the circumstances for a bad thing to happen and then act like it's not your fault. I said, I believe that you didn't intend for anything to get broken or for anyone to get hurt, but you have to look back at the entire chain of events and take responsibility for creating those circumstances. And so I think that that's a, some to me, that's what looks like what happened here. Okay. Devonte Adams wasn't paying attention to where he was going. He was in his own head. The photographer or stringer wasn't, like he tried to do something stupid and dangerous, which is try to shoot the gap between two 300 pound men walking very quickly in body armor, you know, while holding equipment when he, if he'd have just, if he needed to get to the other side, he could have waited a second or he wasn't even looking where he was going. His head was straight. He wasn't like paying attention to what they were doing. And so I'm just saying, I can see why it happened. And I don't necessarily blame Devonte Adams or the photographer. I think it was just, and because Devonte Adams was the one who didn't get hurt and was wearing full body armor, he's going to get sued and he's going to probably have to pay some good amount of money. And hopefully, uh, you know, it's not that big a deal to me, honestly. Well, it's not that big of a deal to me either. If the guy has any medical bills, he should have to pay him. The guy should have yeah. to, you know, you know, but if he gets a big, you know, pain and suffering lawsuit, I'm against that. Okay. Cause yes. stuff happens. Okay. He covers your medical bills. You dust off, he apologizes. That that should be the end of it. However, him shooting the gap or whatever, it's chaos on the field after a game. And the players know that. You walk slowly through the tunnel and the whole game, it's been all about you on the field and everyone respects everything. And then after the game, now it's all about all these other people who are swarming you and you just have to walk off the field and you just have to be nice to everybody. And you especially have to be nice to everybody, again, when everything that's there is there to support you. So you don't push a photographer. You just, if you bump into him, oh man, hey, I'm sorry. And he falls. Okay. That would have been, I'd have been hundred percent in your camp there, but he pushed him. He pushed him. I don't Come know. On. I'm watching it. I'm literally watching it right now. Right. <laughs> he, just, he did give him a pretty hard shove. Yes. That's what I'm saying. A pretty hard shove. You don't just shove a dude with his camera gear down in the tunnel. 
And you don't just you don't just not where you're going. Walk in front of a 275 sometimes pound man in full body it's armor. Chaos. Listen, when I'm on the I'm on the dance floor during a during the horror, sometimes I have to muscle my way through a, a ring of people who are surrounding the chair to get the shot. And if one of them pushed me to the ground because I happened to get in front of them, that would be bull. Unpopular theory. I'm doing a job here, and unpopular and you know I'm opinion. Doing a job, you know. Yeah, so is Devontae Adams. And, and, and unpopular opinion here. Unpopular opinion. You know, he's not. His, you know, he was doing a job. Now his job is over and he's walking back to the dressing room. Okay, you would argue completely opposite of that because he is dressed in uniform. He's on the field. He's still at work. So Fine. We, we could pick on that. Now, what I'm saying is, here it is. Okay, conspiracy theory. Maybe this guy ran out in front of him on purpose. Okay, now you're going deeper now. Okay, that's a whole <laughs> other thing. But but that totally gets away from the, the, just, it's the push. If he had just bumped into the guy and the guy had fallen and then was suing him, I'd be 100% in the player's camp on that. But it's yeah. the push. He didn't. He pushed him to the ground. Yep, and you he's going to pay for it. someone to the ground. And he's absolutely going to pay for it. No yeah. question. And, yeah. and, and I mean, how much? I don't know. But, uh, but you know, he pushed it. I mean, I get it. I mean, and there was another story this week about uh, the NASCAR driver, Chase Elliott. That actually happened the day before the Devontae Adams thing. Right. And Chase Elliott, you know, uh, waved a photographer off and said, you know, hey, give us a little space here. And then the photographer didn't give him as much space as he wanted. So apparently he was kind of aggressive towards the guy. He, there was no contact, I believe. But he's part of, kind of aggressive towards the guy. Then he apologized and he said, you know, I, I shouldn't have done What I liked was that he was just like, I shouldn't have done it. And uh, I apologize. And that's all I can do. You know, he was like, like I'm not going to let this become a big deal. I, I, you know, he said, I was, I was upset at the time, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay. I think he shoved his lens out of the way. This isn't a story. That's my point. The, the thing yeah. with Chase Elliott is not a story. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's, it, it's a, it's a, I was upset. I'm losing, whatever. I yelled at the photographer. Hey man, sorry. Okay. Move on. You know, this is, this is one of those, this is not a story. We're just looking for clickbait at this point. How far do you extend it? Because it goes to, the, it goes to paparazzi too. And I think paparazzi are horrible. But then the argument is always made, yeah, but the reason that you're rich and famous is because of the coverage of you. Right. I, I, I just, I, you know, what I, I think that if, if Devontae Adams hadn't gone immediately on social media and started apologizing, a good lawyer could have made this go away in a heartbeat. And here's the thing. If he had been coming out of a restaurant... I'd be much more in his cor- in his corner. That's like I, I hate the paparazzi who are taking pictures of Jennifer Aniston when she's you know out walk- walking her dog in the park. But if you're walking a red carpet, you know that's a different story. But if you're walking the red carpet, then that's part of your job is to put up with these guys, you know. And part of his job is to put up with is to put up with these guys. Yeah, you don't have to put up with them when you're on the, when when you're at the park having a picnic. Yeah, some coach loses a big game, and they immediately they're interviewing the coach, you know. So. And the coach is like, well, duh, duh. and I always think, man, you know, he does not want to be talking about it. But that's right. part of what the do you job. think happened out there, coach? Yeah. Well, the other guys got more points than we did. Yeah. Can yeah, I, we can I go now? Today, and I don't <laughs> want to talk about it, but I have to because that's the job. This is why I make so much money is because of you people broadcasting me into millions of homes. And right. Covers of Sports Illustrated, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, you know, I wish these things didn't happen, but it should be cover the guy's bills and then maybe, you know, Kicking five grand, ten grand, something like that. I don't know. It's gonna end up getting six six figures. Yeah, no, no question. Yeah, and I disagree that it's worth six figures. Yeah, it's definitely not. It's like okay, so pay for his emergency room visit. Well, hopefully there's no. I don't want to diminish. If the guy is, it doesn't look like that would have hurt. It's you know, like right. if he was an eighty year old man, I'd been like that could have killed him. 
right. like a young man in his late twenties or whatever, but like you'd be fine from that. Like I fell, I fell down harder than that yesterday, and I'm okay. <laughs> but <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right, it's about that time. It's time for photography news. Photography, photography news. If you're like most photographers, you didn't go into business for the paperwork. Does the chaos of invoices, emails, and to-dos make you crazy? Well, that's where 17 Hats comes in. Their all-in-one mobile-friendly platform organizes your business. 17 Hats handles the time-sucking tasks like payment reminders, capturing leads, scheduling your images. With 17 Hats, important emails go out automatically, and quotes, contracts, and invoices, click, click, paid. Small wonder that thousands of photographers swear by 17 hats. You'll free up so much time from day-to-day stealing to-dos, it's like you've cloned yourself. You'll be able to focus on what you do best, photography. Meanwhile, 17 hats does exactly what you need done to manage your business, just as if you were doing it. So why not clone yourself with 17 hats? Visit 17hats.com to learn more. And be sure and use the code PHOTOBOMB to get 50% off your first year. All right, before we jump into photography news, um, into the stuff I want to just kind of see, do we need to, just real quick, do we want to touch on the Taco Bell weddings? Uh, uh, no, I want to spend the rest of the show talking about Taco Bell weddings. This okay. comes from friend and listener Pete Wright, who sent me a link, like no commentary, just sent me a link to the page tacobellwedding.com. Right. Now, this is a real website from the people at Taco Bell, because at, right now, you can get married at Taco Bell Cantina. This isn't like any old Taco Bell locations. Have you ever seen a Taco Bell Cantina before? I have not. We have one in downtown Orlando now. It actually it was a historic building. It's like a 250-year-old historic building that used to be something really awesome, and now it's a Taco Bell Cantina. But basically, if you go to TacoBellWedding.com, you can book a wedding at the Taco Bell Cantina, which I believe is in Las Vegas? Oh, yes. It's in Las Vegas because <clears throat> the price to book is $777. Ah, ah, seven seven because Las Vegas. I get it. Yeah. So yeah. the the thing about a Taco Bell cantina is they tend to be larger. They're more elaborately decorated. They have alcohol, and I'm betting the one in Vegas probably also has some slot machines. Do you think that pe- there are people out there who are big enough fans of Taco Bell, or they met at a Taco Bell, or their first Tinder date was at a Taco Bell, or something, or Taco Bell somehow meaningful to them where this could be a thing? Sure, absolutely. My daughter met her boyfriend. They both worked at McDonald's. I could absolutely see if McDonald's has something like this that they would be like, let's just get married at McDonald's because that's where we met and et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, it's, you know, you get a couple of T-shirts, you get a 12-pack of tacos, and you get to marry in front of a wedding bell thing that they put on the wall. And, and you get, and it's 770. My, my question is, is, is there value here? And, and, they, and they loan you a bouquet that is made out of sauce packets. You don't even get to keep it. And it's $777. I'll let you get married to the back of my car for 500 yeah, well, your car would be cleaner than a Taco yeah, Bell. Probably. I can tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though. The, like, I wanted to criticize this story when Pete sent it to me. And then the more I think about it, the more I'm like, I'd, I'd do that. I'll say this, though. Here's the real value is that you get the 12-pack of uh, tacos and you get the Cinnabon Delights cake. Mm. That's going to be the best wedding cake I've ever had, right there. Yeah, there's no question that there's never been a better wedding <laughs> cake. Ever. Better <laughs> it's made out of cinnamon. Yes, yes. Sign me up. Yes. Can we have that cake at every wedding that I work, please? I'll give you the seven hundred bucks just for the cake. <laughs> just for the cake. Can I just have the cinnamon wedding cake? Uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, okay. I mean, plus it's Las Vegas. Where you gonna, you know, this versus what? Going down to the drive-through chapel. 
Yeah, this is not even. This is actually high class compared to some of the places you get married in Vegas. Oh yeah, this yeah. this isn't even in the top five hundred weird uh, low low rent things you can do in right. Vegas. This isn't. Uh, this doesn't even make the the the, the listicle on uh, BuzzFeed. So there's a couple of stories I wanted to talk about because they kind of go together. All right, why don't you go ahead and just do those, and then I'll respond as as I need to. I I will because they, they don't require a great, but I just thought it was interesting. And there's a, a print that's about to come up for auction. Everett uh, Steichen, I guess it's Steichen. Edward Steichen's image of New York, and it's uh, a picture of the Flatiron Building. It's called Flatiron. It was shot, I think, in 1904 and uh, and then printed in 1905. There's only three copies of this print that exist. Two of them are in the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Yeah, this is an image probably that almost everyone has seen, and you you don't know you've seen it, right? Right, it's, and it's it's beautiful. And it's haunting, and it's a fantastic image. Look it up. And this one is owned by Paul Allen, the co-founder of Microsoft. He owns like 150 rare photographs. He's a big collector of photographs. Uh, and they think it might break the record for the most expensive photograph ever sold at auction. It's gonna, they estimated it at 2 to $3 million, but it could go more. The most expensive thing ever sold at auction is um, Man Ray's Le Vallon d'Andres, I think is how you pronounce it, which is a picture yeah. of a woman's back. With, and then they're on, painted on her back are two things to make it look like a violin. Like the F-foils on yeah. a violin. And what was interesting about that was he took the picture of her, and then he took a print of it, and he painted the F things on there. And then he took a picture of the print. That's how he made it. Oh, that's that was, pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I like that. I that was that. interesting. Uh, and that holds the record at like 12 or 13 million. And they're thinking that this may, may beat that. 7 million, I think. And I think that that's very interesting because I love this image. And, and I love that, that this sort of image work is attaining the level of rare art in terms of the value of it. And I think that's great. Now, this takes us to the next story, which is that Kodak, Eastman Kodak is hiring because Eastman Kodak cannot keep up with the demand for their film. That's interesting. Film is selling more and more and more. They've hired 300 people. They're looking to hire more. Uh, they are turning into a 24-7 operation producing film once again because of the interest in film. Petapixel did a survey, and 76% of the people in the survey said they were interested in shooting the film. Hmm. So like, wow, okay, so we got the prints are selling for big money, and the film is coming back, and that's interesting. And then that leads us to our third story, which is this guy who recently burned all of his artwork because he had turned all of it into NFTs. So we have all these stories about the value of physical things. And then we go right into this story about people who are now destroying physical things in order to prop up the value of digital things. This guy is, a, is an artist and he has a thousand pieces of art, which are basically, they look like um, the paper that you would use to wrap a, a kid's birthday present in. It's just polka dots on a, on a piece of paper. And he, he, he had a thousand Objectively, of these. I don't see the value. I don't. No, he had a thousand of them and people bought them, I guess. And he gave them the choice. I can either send you the, the thing that you bought or I can give you the NFT and I can destroy the thing that you bought. It's up to you. And about half the people said that they would take the NFT. And he says that by destroying the original, he props up the value of the NFT because now that is the original. As we know, of course, that's not the original. It's a copy of the original. And any copy of the NFT is a copy of a copy. And how do you value a copy of a copy of a copy? So the whole thing is ridiculous. The NFT market is collapsing. Right. So you're going to start destroying physical artwork, whether or not it's legitimately decent or deserves to be have value is, is up to the eye of the beholder. But you're going to start destroying physical things in order to prop up the value of digital things. That's just stupid, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, think about that. Think, think about the idea of burning down a house. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so that the picture of the house is more valuable. Well, that's a little bit different than artwork because, you, I mean, with the artwork, he's literally burning something that's almost two-dimensional. 
I mean, it's right. just a flat picture on the wall, and that's what I'm just drawing. And now you're going to have a digital image that you could print and put on the wall too if you wanted to. But the fact that the digital image now becomes more valuable. No, it isn't more valuable. It isn't more valuable at all because if you wanted to put it on the wall, you'd have to print it. And at that point, it's a copy. It's no different than... I, I just don't understand how that's any different than a print I buy of the Mona Lisa. Yeah, it, it's it's just in your head, yeah. isn't it? To me, and maybe it's maybe I'm just not smart enough, but... The whole thing has seemed like a scam from the jump. Yes. The whole NFT thing seems like a scam for a yes. bunch of like tech bros to make a lot of money off of some stupid millionaires, and uh, and that it, you know I'm I think that there's some really compelling technology involved in it for the purposes of authenticity, uh, for copyright. There's some fascinating stuff going on technologically in it, but how it's been used so far is kind of sad and, and horrifying. It's, well, it's like cryptocurrency. It's just people jumping on the bandwagon because they're saying, I'm going to buy this thing because I think it's going to go up in value. But no one can actually explain to you why it's going to go up in value. Yeah, they, I mean, I, again, technology that has some fascinating applications that is mostly being used for tech bros to, 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 to make money. And, you know, I actually bought, <laughs> I bought Bitcoin a couple of weeks ago because it hit basically like the bottom based on these different metrics by which cryptocurrency is judged. And I'm like, yeah, I got a grand to throw at this. Let's see what happens. And so if you've ever invested in cryptocurrency, it's very volatile. And so if you're using like any kind of trading app, you'll be getting a, a, a frantic alert from your investing app every 15 minutes to let you know that it went up 10% and down 10% right. and up 5% and down 10%. But over the last month or so, it's pretty much just, stayed the same i think i bought a thousand dollars worth and i think i have like a thousand dollars and 25 cents after having gone up and down and up and down so yeah it's uh i mean a lot of people have made a lot of money off of stuff like this but again it's always it's like beanie babies you're just you're you're just gambling you're buying something because you think you someone else will pay you more for it in the future without it actually having real value you know, like if right. you buy a company, someone's going to pay you more for it in the future because that company is generating more money. Right. You know, because that company has gotten bigger because there's more Starbucks now or whatever. But when you're buying something like, well, cryptocurrency, well, crypto, if you buy something like cryptocurrency or NFTs, you're just buying in the hope that it's going to become more valuable. Right. The real value of it, the, the intrinsic value, there, there really isn't any. There is none. Just no. like the American dollar. Right. Dun, da, da, da. Well, the American dollar is backed by the full economy of the United States of America. For now. all right let me jump to a news story i got a couple of good ones here uh first of all let's talk about canon news are you shocked that i'm starting with canon news of course all right this is we're having some serious uh uh, start the the rumblings the quote-unquote leaks about the r6 mark ii coming out and so this is um although i don't think it's anywhere near the best offering canon has right now i think they have some some really other compelling offering offerings the r6 is wildly popular uh largely because of what it can do in the price range but the r6 mark ii and and i think the r6 came out 2020 and so this will be almost three years going on since you know they've come out with it and so maybe it's time for an update right so some of the leaks it doesn't seem on paper that the specs are going to be too much more impressive. But there are a couple of things that I wanted to point out that are going to make this camera worth it. First of all, 
the R6 has the same sensor as the 1DX Mark III, which which is technically the flagship lens. It's a 20 megapixel, da 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 da. So it's a, you know they re, they use it's cheaper to make a camera with a sensor that already exists, right? So it looks like the Canon uh, R6 Mark II is going to have a 24 megapixel sensor, which is four more megapixels. Whoop de doo. But more than likely, this is going to be the same BSI stacked sensor that the R3 has. So you're going to get that R3 sensor technology, which is probably the best sensor in the entire Canon lineup, is going to be in a camera that's going to probably debut at an MSRP of about $24.99. So I think that's pretty cool. The other thing is, based on what it's done with other models that are much, much cheaper... Um, the thing that people have hated about shooting video with Canon for a long time is the 29 minute and 59 second or whatever record limit on video. And with the R7 and the R10, they've gotten rid of that. So it'll probably be unlimited video recording. I can't imagine a world in which this camera would not have solved a lot of the overheating issues like they seem to have fixed mostly with the R7. There are a couple of really curious specs on this thing that we don't know what they are. Digital teleconverter. That's listed as one of the specs on the camera. What do you think a digital teleconverter is? Well, it's going to be to crop. Right. No, no. But we know every Canon camera can do the artificial crop. Right. That's in, that's in, in most cameras now. That already exists. Never has it ever been described as a digital teleconverter. So, so you, does, you'll hit a button and your 200 millimeter lens will become a 400 millimeter lens. Right. But, and that's going to crop into the sensor, presumably. But my guess is, and this is this is just me throwing mud at the wall, I have a feeling there's going to be a new technology because you can't just come out with an incremental upgrade like, okay, you can record past 30 minutes and it's got the R3 sensor. Please give us more money. It's not going to be worth upgrading for. I think what will be worth upgrading for is some kind of digital teleconverter, right, that will use machine learning to up-res the photo back to 24 megapixels after you crop in. Oh, okay. So it takes that step, it adds that step for you. I think that you're going to get a teleconverter that will still give you 24 megapixels using some kind of technology that they have heretofore not yet released. That's my guess. How come Fuji's not doing this with the 40 megapixel? How do you mean? How come they're not building this in this way? Well, Canon is pretty good about coming up with proprietary technology. They're pretty good at at this stuff. They're a massive company with a huge R&D department, and I think they know that the R6 is... Not only has it been one of their most popular cameras, to get people to buy an R6 Mark II, and then I think they, they're going to have to, they have to have at least one thing that is the wow factor. That is, right. this is the reason I'm buying it. With the R5, it was 8K video. And I think that was the thing that put a lot of people over the top. It's like, I don't even know what 8K is. That's great. And so um, there's another thing called um, hybrid auto, which I don't know what that means. That's another feature the R6 II is supposed to have, hybrid auto. Okay. Any idea? Uh, not auto. There's nothing after the word auto. It just says hybrid auto. Okay. Which, well, they've uh, Canon has put in a, a really useful new mode that never existed before in some of the R cameras. And uh, it, it's called uh, PV mode because, you know, you have like AV and TV mm-hmm. and you have program. Well, uh, it's a flexible program mode where you can in- instantly kind of take control and it will automatically modify anytime you change any of the settings around it. So it's a really good event shooting mode where you could just very quickly and flexibly do that. Is it something to do with the mode the camera is shooting? I have no idea what hybrid auto means, but it should be interesting. At the very least, you're going to get an upgrade to the megapixels, a much better sensor, but I have no idea what, it's got like four things listed that 
that aren't on any other camera and they and it gives no explanation as to what any of these things mean so i imagine we'll find out pretty soon it always starts out like these little leaks like canon rumors gets it and then what's his name northrop does a video where he basically doesn't know what's going on but pretends he does for like 45 minutes and then a million people watch it and so and this is sort of the process and then you get the guy at uh, everyday filmmaker and all the youtubers they start to do the stories on the leaks from canon rumors and then eventually we'll get like some kind of actual you know, confirm specs from somebody. And so I think that'll be coming up. So keep an eye on that. If that happens, we will talk about it on the show. But uh, R6 Mark II is coming, and probably pretty soon. Uh, there's a story out of Texas that uh, folks love to talk about the stories like this. Uh, that day, a photographer in North Texas, the Better Business Bureau of North Texas, has actually issued a warning about this. I've never heard, the, heard of this happening before. They've no. issued a warning to people uh, that this photographer has many complaints against them for not showing up at the wedding. It's uh, Olivia Seymour Photography, uh, and they published this warning saying, this is Collin County, Texas, saying, you know, she doesn't show up uh, for her wedding. She takes deposits, $300 to $800, doesn't show up, or another photographer shows up in their place. And then, I love this. What happened was she, after not showing up for weddings and all this stuff, she sent out a mass email to a bunch of her brides saying, I'm sorry, I've been dealing with some stuff, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the brides took her off the mass email chain and started talking to each other. <laughs> and that's when they found out that many of them had received the same excuses. Like she would send someone a picture of a thermometer that said, oh, this is how sick I am. And, and like three or four different brides came back and said, oh, yeah, I got this picture too, but on a different day. You know, my wedding was on a different day. It was the same picture, oh, and, you know, man. and stuff like that. And... um. She was not showing up. She was sending other photographers or she wasn't sending other photographers. She wasn't paying the other photographers that she was sending. Uh, these are all of the complaints that have come into the Better Business Bureau. I'm not going to say that they're all factual because we don't know. Everything is allegedly. Uh, we don't know for sure. But allegedly. We just, know, we just know that these are the complaints that are being uh, registered with the BBB and, and in this story. But here was the first tip off for me. She sent an email out to all her brides. She sent, them to, she sent that email to 77 brides, Gary. Mm-hmm. 77 brides, Gary. Yeah, that's a lot of brides. <laughs> that's an unbelievable amount of brides. If you, To have 77 brides in process is mind-blowing. Yes. As a, as a single-person wedding studio. Yes. Like, I would say that probably your average wedding photographer who's got a healthy wedding business going is probably shooting 20 to 40 weddings a year. And if you right. said you shot more than 40, you'd uh, photographers would be like, geez, okay, that's a that's right. a lot of weddings. The ones who say like, oh, I shoot 100, they have like a studio and three shooters. Right, yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. this is definitely, yeah, if 77 means that it, it would be very difficult to pull off 77 weddings if you were a solo operator. Yeah, abso absolutely. To pull them off well anyway. So you went, you actually found, hunted down her website. Yeah, they actually went to the Better Business Bureau page with her listed on it, and then I um, clicked on the link to go to her website. Yeah, so I have, yeah, it's, it's not that. I didn't like sleuth it. I just clicked, clicked. I was there, yeah. And we looked at the images, and um, the images are fine, uh, you know, uh, yep, good images. Some, some of them are delightful, wonderful, fine. wonderful images. But then uh, I, for one, was a little taken aback when we got to the pricing page. Mm. Okay. All right. Tell, what are your feelings about the investment page? Well, uh, her biggest package for a wedding is eight hours of coverage, mm -hmm. uh, 32 hour sneaks. By, by the way, don't even, the sneak, I'm over this. I keep getting more and more clients now. Hey, can you give us some sneaks? And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, no, they'll be ready when they're ready. <laughs> 
How about no? <laughs> you know, I'm always like, I don't know. Because what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to show you the very best pictures like today in your email? That's not how I want you to see them. I'm, I'm 56 years old. 32 hours after your wedding, I'm still unconscious. <laughs> I mean, I usually will send my bride and groom like the very next day. I'll send them a picture and say, hey, thanks for everything. And I'll send them a nice picture from the wedding or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But the whole sneak thing has become because my stuff, you're going to see your images within like two weeks. Right. So, so you don't really need sneaks. So anyway, uh, eight hours of coverage, 32 hour sneaks, uh, contract, online gallery, USB and print release, blah, blah, blah. engagement and bridles free. Sure. So that's sure. two sessions. Mm-hmm. Wait, uh, can I guess how much this should cost? Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. No, based on what market? Because, you know, the Florida market is less expensive than most markets. In Texas, I would say it's probably, you know, similar to Florida. In, in uh, what there, way there's a cold cost. season in Texas where you don't want to get married. See, that's the thing about Florida is like most people from other from the northern states, they're shocked when they find out how much I charge for a wedding because it's oh, sometimes half what they charge. And I'm like, yeah, but I shoot weddings year round. Right. All the time. In Florida, you shoot year-round, whereas you have like a, a – you live in Washington, D.C., there's like a four-month window. And you have to I make would say then. for an engagement session, bridles, full release, eight hours of wedding coverage, um, I, I, for a single shooter, this should be at least 3000 maybe 4500 And And I think that would put you in the average of good professional wedding photography. Yeah, that's I would what say that's about be. right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it should cost. Probably, yeah. And if you're really good uh, and more boutique-y, you could six, definitely charge eight, more. Ten, yeah. Easily, if, if you're, you're in like Chicago, this would be a six, seven, eight thousand sure. dollar wedding package. Yeah, one thousand three hundred fifty dollars. You are kidding. Yeah, this is how much you charge. <laughs> Thirteen fifty for eight hours of wedding coverage. Okay, just just so you know, like you're gonna pay federal income tax on that thirteen fifty. So after you pay after you pay your federal income tax. Take out your expenses for your time. How much money could you possibly be making for thirteen hundred dollars? Well, it's one hundred and sixty-eight dollars an hour. Yeah, you know what I would do? I wouldn't show up. Well, not counting the engagement and bridles. So if she's doing engagement and bridles, engagement is going to be one to two, two hours so, easy. Yeah, and so if she's doing so, I mean, we're looking at the one hundred and fifty dollars an hour range. And here's the thing: the pictures on her website are better than that. I, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah they're sure. definitely better. I mean, I, my first wedding I shot for $150 an hour. It was my first wedding. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know? My second wedding was more than that. I was like, I was, you know. I think we're getting away from the word. There are a couple of things I want to say here about this pricing. Uh, one, if I woke up and I had a, a scratchy throat and I knew I had to go shoot a wedding for $1,350, I'd call out sick too. Uh, <laughs> two, buyer beware. Their bronze wedding package, four average four hours of coverage with all the images, six hundred and fifty dollars. And so if you could get a wedding photographer like this is the pricing is too good to be true. This yes. this can't this isn't somebody who knows the cost of operating a business. This isn't like and although I think the work is fine, this isn't somebody who's making enough money to to to, to pay for insurance and to you know to pay their taxes properly and who has a separate business account or a business like like this is somebody who who clearly doesn't understand the cost of doing business if they're charging this little and so my only argument is like i'm not trying to put blame on the consumer but for anybody out there getting married you the thing the red flag for me wasn't even necessarily the pricing so let's say you're in a rural part of texas and and that you do quick turnover weddings and you can make a volume business out of it so pricing aside just going through her portfolio there's like one actual wedding 
on the whole website. There's like one actual engagement session on the whole website. There's like very, like you could see that there's just not a lot here. Like if I want to see an established wedding photographer, be like, show me the last, you know, show me some weddings, show me some different venues, show like everything's in the woods. Like nothing actually shows anywhere where anything is. This could literally be anywhere in the country and it doesn't have anything. Like I would look at this and I'd immediately go like, no, she doesn't seem legit is what I would think when I looked at it. But then again, that's based on my experience working in the wedding industry. And so I feel bad that people have been taken advantage of. And this, this woman seems to have, if she is, a real person if olivia seymour is a real person um she and i by the way i did immediately check to see if she was a ppa member as soon as i read the story and uh she's not um if this is a real person if this person actually exists and if this is a real legitimate thing and she's just so bad at business she is opening up to a class action lawsuit and she is going to lose everything she owns because i doubt that her paperwork is together i doubt she has any kind of liability insurance that will cover something like this but if this is a scam like this is just like some Nigerian prince kind of a thing. Like I just think that it, it would. It's pretty obvious from the look of it. Right. I, I just don't. I you know. And and I feel bad for the people who who booked her because they don't know. They don't know. They don't know the things to look for. But like you said, if you're paying somebody eight hundred dollars for your wedding for seven hours of coverage or whatever, they don't. They don't have enough invested in your wedding to make sure that they do a good job for you. Yeah, that you know that's the problem. If I cancel a wedding, it's huge. I can't make my mortgage, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so I'm there, you know, dragging my mangled leg behind me. I'm shooting your <laughs> wedding. <laughs> I just hope that this gets enough publicity that it, I don't want it to hurt photographers, uh, but I do want people to be more discerning about who they hire. I think that's okay. I think that does ultimately that's good for the industry. If people are more savvy and conscious and say, I want to see more weddings. I want to see someone who charges appropriately because honestly, hiring somebody for 600 bucks to shoot your wedding, you can't be getting anything great. Uh, and I'd be very rare to find somebody who's really a, an excellent operator who's going to give you professional service, who's going to give you great images, who's going to be responsive for 600 bucks. I've got a wedding next Saturday. For 600 bucks? No, for $700. It's a seven, I'm shooting the wedding for $700. It's his third wedding, her second wedding. Is that what you charged your daughter to shoot her wedding? No, and I'm shooting, I'm shooting a, 700, a $700 wedding. Why are you doing that? Yeah, how long am I going to be there? 30 minutes. Two hours. Yeah. Okay. Well, you charge by the hour anyway, yeah, don't you? I charge yeah, by yeah. the hour. So yeah. I'm. So I'm. And it, and I only took it because they booked me last minute, and the day wasn't booked, and they needed me for two hours. I'm like, okay, then I'll come in and do two hours, no problem. But yeah, no. I mean, yeah, you can you can get sure you can get an inexpensive wedding photographer in terms of you can get a seven hundred dollar wedding photographer if you only want for a couple of hours, but eight hours, no. Mm. Yeah, it's. I, I I've said this so many times. But if you actually calculate what it costs to shoot a wedding, add up all your hours, it takes about 30 to 40 hours to produce a wedding, not to mention any physical cost, the cost of your insurance, your business license, all the time you spend communicating with the client, your tax liability, your equipment. If you're shooting a wedding for $1,300, you're paying the client to shoot their wedding. <laughs> You just are. That. And if and it, it and even if you're operating right now and that's what you're charging, I don't want to beat you over the head because I shot my, my first wedding I ever shot, I shot for nine hundred dollars and I was there for like eleven hours. Okay. Right. So I'm not saying that like everybody 
is in this place. But the reason why you can't do this, because a, a lot of times what happens is if you've got a spouse or a partner with additional income, and like when people move into trying to do photography as a profession, it can sometimes take them several years of realizing that they're not making any money. And so it seems like, oh, I went out for the day and I made 1500 bucks, but you legitimately just paid that bride for the pleasure of shooting their wedding because by the time all the taxes and everything winds up and the, and the burden on you, the mental process, the emotional damage. <laughs> well, that's the like, other thing too. The, the, the people don't take enough account into that. They're like, oh, it's, oh, and look what I made and it's just me and my camera. And oh, dude, the stress of shooting a wedding Oh my God! We were just talking about that the other day. That that, uh, and that when you come home and then you look at the images and you and you're like, oh, I'm not sure that that's a good enough image of the bride and groom together. You know, mm-hmm. oh, are they going to be unhappy? And now you got that on top of you for for, for two weeks. Yes. Until they come, I mean, it's constant stress. There's yes. a reason that people who shoot weddings don't do it their whole life. Right. Yeah. You're. In fact, I would say that, and I don't consider you an old man or anything, but definitely as far as wedding photographers go, yes. like you're one of the rare ones that, that you're you're in your fifties doing it, and I think that's pretty rare. Like yeah. most people get out by the time they're in their fifties, they're like physically they can't do it, and also mentally they just don't want to do it. Which is why you do so many headshots now. Yeah. Which is why I'm I'm moving moving. I'm I do more bar mitzvahs now than I do weddings. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Hey, I got a couple of quick hits. Uh, uh, interestingly enough, Canon just just opened up what it's calling its precision alignment service that's supposed to fine-tune your uh, ability. You know, over time, your lens's focusing ability can shift. Mm-hmm. And so you can send your gear in, and they'll uh, have their experts tune up. I think that's pretty cool. I'll post that in the Bombardier's Lounge if you want to check that out. There is a link to where you can schedule a service. So if you've got a lens that you bought two years ago that seemed a lot sharper when you bought it than it does now, get an eye exam, and then also schedule a uh, precision alignment service. All that inf- it seems pretty cool. Um, I'm not sure whether or not you can do that through CPS. I would imagine uh, Canon Professional Services is. I would imagine that you could. And just before we uh, sign off, I do want to mention to the English bombardiers, I know that there are um, more than a few of you who are in the UK. I will be teaching two different classes at the Society's uh, London uh, show, which is going to be in the Saturday or Wednesday the 15th of March through Saturday the 18th of March. I will be teaching two Different classes, a super class and a master class, both related to headshots. If you want all the information, go to the societies.net slash convention. That's in London. It's going to be awesome. It's in March. It'll be freezing, but it will all be indoors, I promise. And uh, that should be fun. Also, Imaging USA is coming up. Don't forget about that. Uh, we'll probably both be there, right? I don't know if I'm going to be there or not. Oh, you're going to be there. So, Bure and I will both be there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I am teaching a pre-con class at Imaging USA uh, on the 21st of January. So you can get all that information at imagingusa.com also. Photobomb is written and produced by Bure Perry and Gary Hughes, and it's edited by Face Fear Ready. You can find us online, facebook.com slash groups slash Bombardiers Lounge. Bombardiers. Our website is photobombpodcast.com. Gary's website is hughesfiorretti.com. So it is. My website is bureperry.com, and you can email us, questions at photobombpodcast.com. We'll see you back here next week. See you later. See you later.